the night will they stay without? Sheila caught him by the collar and, pulling his head close, whispered, When the cock crows, the good people must be safe at home. After cock crow, they have no power to help or to hurt, and every mortal eye can see them plain. I thank you kindly, says Darby, and I bid you good evening, ma'am. He turned away, leaving her standing there alone, looking after him, but he was sure he heard voices talking to her and laughing and tittering behind him. It was dark night when Darby stretched himself on the ground in Hagen's meadow. The yellow rim of the moon just tipped the edge of the hills. As he lay there in the long grass amidst the silence, there came a cold shudder in the air, and after it had passed, the deep, cracked voice of a nearby bullfrog called loudly and ballyragging, The Omadon, 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 it said. From a slow tree over near the hedge, an owl cried, surprised and trembling. Who? Who? it asked. At that, every frog in the meadow, and there must have been ten thousand of them, took up the answer and shrieked shrill and high together. Darby O'Gill! Darby O'Gill! Darby O'Gill! sang they. The Omadon! The Omadon! cried the wheezy master frog again. Who? Who? asked the owl. Darby O'Gill! Darby O'Gill! screamed the rollicking chorus. And that way they were going over and over again until the bold man was just about to creep off to another spot when sudden, a hundred slow shadows stirring up the mists crept from the mountain way toward him. First, he must find, was Rosie among the herd. To creep quiet as a cat through the hedge and reach the first cow was only a minute's work. Then his plan to wait till cockcrow, with all other sober, sensible thoughts, went clean out of the lad's head before his rage. For cropping eagerly the long, sweet grass, the first beast he met was Rosie. With a leap, Darby was behind her, his stick falling sharply on her flanks. The ingratitude of that cow almost broke Darby's heart. Rosie turned fiercely on him with a vicious lunge, her two horns aimed at his breast. There was no suppler boy in the parish than Darby, and well for him it was so, for the mad rush the cow gave would have caught any man the least trifle heavy on his legs and ended his days right there. As it was, our hero sprang to one side. As Rosie passed, his left hand gripped her tail. When one of the gills takes hold of a thing, he hangs on like a bull terrier. Away he went, rushing with her. Now began a race the like of which was never heard of before or since. Ten jumps to the second and a hundred feet to the jump. Rosie's tail standing straight up in the air, firm as an iron bar, and Darby floating straight out behind. A thousand furious fairies flying a short distance after, filling the air with wild commands and threatenings. Suddenly the sky opened for a crash of lightning that shivered the hills and a roar of thunder that turned out of their beds every man, woman, and child in four counties. Flash after flash came the lightning, hitting on every side of Darby. If it wasn't for fear of hurting Rosie, the fairies would certainly have killed Darby. As it was, he was stiff with fear, afraid to hold on and afraid to leave go, but flew, waving in the air at Rosie's tail like a flag. As the cow turned into the long, narrow valley which cuts into the east side of the mountain, the good people caught up with the pair, 
and what they didn't do to Darby in the line of sticking pins, pulling whiskers and pinching wouldn't take long to tell. In truth, he was just about to let go his hold and take the chances of a fall when the hillside opened, and whisk, the cow turned into the mountain. Darby found himself flying down a wide, high passage which grew lighter as he went along. He heard the opening behind shut like a trap, and his heart almost stopped beating, for this was the fairy's home in the heart of Shlieb Namon. He was captured by them. When Rosie stopped, so stiff were all Darby's joints that he had great trouble loosening himself to come down. He landed among a lot of angry-faced little people, each no higher than your hand, everyone wearing a green velvet cloak and a red cap, and in every cap was stuck a white owl's feather. "'We'll take him to the king,' says a red-whiskered wee chap. "'What he'll do to the murdering spalpeen'll be good and plenty.' With that, they marched our boat.